Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Hey marketers, hey business leaders, welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today's guest is Chris McLaughlin. Chris is an interesting title. He's both the CMO and CPO, Chief Product Officer of a company called Nuxio. Now, Nuxio is in the content space. We hit on that a little bit. What we talk more today, something I think a lot of us can take away, is the importance of product marketing. Now, if you look at Chris's career and you look back to the beginning, he started very much in VP of product marketing roles. So it's a very important part of what type of leader he is, how he views its ability to inform our understanding and connection with customers. I really enjoyed the way he thinks about it, how it's evolved through his career, and how it's allowed him to take on now multiple CMO roles, including this CPO role. Now, the the interesting part as well that we hit on later on is he's only got a marketing team now as they're a growth company around 10 people. But within that, he actually has different product marketing leads. So you think about it and often that product marketing leader is someone that we add or we, we scale that team as we grow. In his case, he'll views it as a way to better understand the different segments that they go after. And I won't dig into the segments here, but we hit on that on the podcast. So I challenge you all to kind of listen to this podcast and think about how are you best understanding the customer? Would an increase in product marketing spend help you better scale your your business and be more relatable to the customer at the end of the day? Without further ado, here's my interview with Chris. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today to talk all about your career. Let's start with where you are today. And you've got probably the most interesting mix of C-level titles that we've had on the podcast so far. Not just are you a CMO, but you're also a CPO, a chief product officer. How did that come to be? Yeah, um, actually, a good reflection of my background. So you're right. It's a fantastic job and really what we are after there and what we were really uh, going for and putting those two functions together was kind of moving from your traditional mix on the product management side of, of being kind of, you know, customer feature driven in terms of how you drive a roadmap to really looking at the larger market, looking at the future needs of our customers and really trying to design a roadmap and a product strategy that's intended to kind of keep our customer base future-proof and and look further out than you know your traditional product management function that's interesting because i know one of the the hot debates sometimes when you have a product marketer is to not confuse them with the product manager i guess in your world are they one in the same uh, they are not one in the same but uh what we're really after there is kind of a, a tight alignment between what we do from a product marketing perspective and a product management perspective. You know, when I began my career back at FileNet, kind of on the the vendor software side of the equation, product marketing was actually responsible for the roadmap. And I've always liked that balance. And so what we're really looking at here is making sure that between our product marketing function at Nuxio and our product management function at Nuxio, we're not only taking care of our customers and their current needs, but we're really looking at longer term needs, trends, and future directions to kind of inform our roadmap and make sure that we're designing out in front of where our customers are, not just where they are today. 
That's really interesting. And, and, you know, you talked about starting your career at FileNet. When you were there, were they an IBM company at that time or they were later acquired? No, as a matter of fact, I, I timed my uh, exit perfectly from FileNet <laughs> so that I, I left one month before the IBM acquisition. But I spent uh, about four and a half years there uh, when they were a standalone organization, first in a financial services uh, marketing role and then subsequently in a product marketing role. Gotcha. So it's an it's a interesting path. And in fact, I had a, pro, a director of product marketing here who just moved on recently to a new opportunity, took a very similar path coming from understanding the customer. And as you've put it here, understanding that the needs of the customer from a product marketing perspective, how did that line you up for your first CMO gig, which I think was at Thunderhead, if I'm getting it right? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, left FileNet, who was, I think, a, a couple hundred million dollar company at that point in time and, and moved to a very small company, Thunderhead. They were four million when I joined them, about 40 million when I left. So a uh, small bootstrapped organization out of the UK. Really, that product marketing background was essential for us in, in two ways. One, I mentioned the financial services piece first. Thunderhead really kind of incubated itself in the investment banking industry. Uh, we identified kind of a unique pain point that we addressed from a, a derivative trade confirmation standpoint. And so we were able to ultimately end up with 19, I think, out of the top 20 investment banks as customers. So it really helped us to kind of hone down and focus our go-to-market efforts over a specific industry and a specific set of business problems. And then true to having that background from a product marketing standpoint and really looking at how large enterprises used FileNet technology, for example, being able to bring that experience over to a small startup and address some of the things that large enterprises expect from technology. How do we deal with high availability requirements? How do we deal with multilingual requirements and deploying on a global basis? And really beginning to think about kind of the long-term future for the, the product and the platform became very important, not just for solving immediate problems for those customers, and I think you'll hear a familiar theme here, but also thinking about how that product will evolve into the marketplace and how different people will use the technology on a more global basis to solve different challenges in insurance, in other aspects of retail banking and financial services. So I'm, I'm curious on that. I mean, you know, no question what you're highlighting for a lot of people listening, trying to figure out that path to C-level is you can specialize heavily in an area and find a company where that's going to be core. Yeah, that was, that was obviously the case at, at Thunderhead. But you, there's no doubt you probably felt some of your own personal gaps jumping into that CMO role, probably not having extensive demand gen experience or, or others. I'm curious, you know, maybe what was the biggest gap? And, you know, you later went on into, into VP roles and eventually CMO roles at EMC, a much larger organization. Would you advocate for taking that path through, through that startup role to go the CMO role if you don't have as much breadth? Yeah. I, so, number one, I think it's very diff, difficult um, 
larger organizations, you tend to specialize, right? So it's difficult to move from, you know, a demand gen type role function, corporate marketing, for example, into a product marketing function, and then into, I don't know, perhaps an industry marketing function or analyst relations or other things where you're going to get that breadth of background. The one thing I really loved about early roles in product marketing was that you had an intrinsic role in how we did analyst relations. You were closely involved with uh, PR and, and press activities. You also uh, were very much involved in kind of the planning portion of any go-to-market programs, campaigns, events, activities. So you did get kind of a broad flavor of, of those different pieces. And I was very fortunate actually before FileNet uh, to work for another small company called Enforte, where I was in actually technology consulting, but got pulled into a variety of different marketing activities. So I did get some exposure on the demand gen side. But yeah, when you jump into a small startup, you're going to do something different every single day. And I'm right back there with Nuxio now. So whether you're authoring content, whether you are participating in uh, demand gen programs and helping to kind of tweak and tune the go-to-market strategy there and how we run different campaigns, events, and activities, I really think that getting to a smaller organization and really having to kind of build a function from the ground up is the best way to get a really broad education with those different things. But I would say product marketing, great place to, to get kind of indoctrinated in a bunch of different marketing disciplines as well. So uh, I, I love that perspective that you have. And I'm, I'm curious because you've seen both sides of, of you know, the, the small scrappy startup as well as the large organization like EMC, and, and you, you basically had to pave a path for yourself to CMO twice in, in two different ways. Yeah. What do you think was, were some of the keys to, to getting that CMO opportunity at, at EMC after, I, I think it was about four years there until you, you got that CMO gig? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I actually went from Thunderhead to EMC in a sales role. I was running their um, channel sales organization, which gave me the opportunity and, and coming in kind of at a VP level, gave me the opportunity to interact with senior management, with the executive team. And then EMC took a, and, and the division I was part of took a really interesting path. When their CMO resigned, they actually decided to divide up the marketing function. And as part of that process, they gave me in the channel sales organization, the partner marketing function and the uh, industry marketing function. And in part, that was because of my background uh, with marketing at Thunderhead. And they knew I had that experience. So over the next year or so, I was actually uh, working with those marketing teams and they put corporate marketing someplace else and they put product marketing someplace else. And then I actually moved into a GM role, which again was another kind of executive function. But ultimately, when they decided they really needed to put marketing back together, which I think was a fantastic decision, they were looking for someone who had former CM, uh, prior CMO experience, but also someone who was trusted inside the organization to kind of help them reassemble those different functions. I think the most critical thing though, in terms of really looking at what we were doing there, and this was a division that really was in a turnaround process, uh, had been in um, kind of a steady state of revenue decline, and we were really looking at 
How do we get it back into a growth phase, operating within kind of the, the profit parameters of the organization? And a lot of that really had to do with kind of articulating a vision for the future of that product set, of that uh, division inside of EMC. So the first thing that I did working with the divisional president was sit down and really define out a long-term strategy, not just for how we would continue to improve the products we had, but ultimately how we would realize kind of a different vision for the future of what was enterprise content management there. And that's really the, the kind of beginnings of where this new trend in our industry around content services came from was a lot of the foundational work we did as an executive team to kind of redefine our strategy for the future of enterprise content management. I love how that just came full circle there, back to product, back to understanding the customer needs and definitely aligns you well to, to handle both sides of this chief product and markets, marketing officer role at Nuxio. Chris, we're going to take a quick break here and then we will be back for the second segment here, looking at how you're mapping a buyer journey in your current role today. Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies. And we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand. All right, Chris, we are back here. Really interesting path that's taking you to this chief product and chief marketing officer role at Nuxio. And I don't want to go too deep into what Nuxio does. For those who, who want to check it out, it's nuxeo.com. And you know the tagline there is building smarter solutions for today's content challenges, which is an area I'm always very passionate about. So we won't talk about the product so much, but one of the things that I found interesting just kind of doing my own research getting ready for today's podcast was it felt like a lot of your messaging is very tailored to specific segments, verticals, if you will. And I found that interesting because I think a lot of us have products that could apply to the whole wide world and it's hard, but sometimes we need to apply a little focus. Can you speak to how that's come to be? Yeah. And, and, Particularly when you're talking about a smaller organization or a startup organization, focus is critical. We happen to have a content services platform. We are a platform play from a product perspective. The challenge there is, is I can sell that platform anywhere and it solves a variety of different problems for a variety of different industries. So if you think about kind of the history of FileNet, Documentum, EMC, you know, that can be life sciences, that can be financial services, that can be energy and engineering companies. So you need to make some choices in terms of how you go to market. For us, we've really focused on, on kind of two key use cases. The first is digital asset management. And we've really focused in on trend-driven product companies. So working with organizations like PVH, like Nike, who bring new products and, and services to market uh, rapidly and really want to kind of compress that time 
to market for their organization. So what we've looked at is not just the role that digital assets play from kind of a marketing standpoint and how we promote things on websites, in advertising, and across different media, but we've also looked at you know, how these visual assets, how images can help to kind of accelerate the overall product lifecycle and compress that lifecycle. So I'm getting a little too much into the product there, but principally, what we really identified was, look, for uh, companies in kind of consumer products, companies that are in apparel beauty, you know, the most important thing for them is bringing new products to market as quickly as they possibly can. And therefore, what we've really done is segmented down and looked at the digital asset management challenge for those organizations and gotten very, very focused on a set of 100, 200 customers globally that we think would really benefit from our technology. And we've done the same thing on the other side of the equation. We also sell into kind of the enterprise content management content services market. There, what we traditionally see is our technology being kind of newer, more cloud native. It's being used to replace older legacy platforms. And the greatest concentration of legacy platforms is in the financial services market. So there, we're really focused on targeting insurance companies, targeting banks, even health insurers who are looking to kind of modernize and update how they engage with customers, how they manage information across their organization. My personal preference at our size and and point would be that we could pick one. Our challenge right now is that we're actually having success with both of them. So it's very difficult for us to trade one off against the other, even though the buyers, the personas, and the marketplaces are dramatically different. It's very interesting. And, you know, again, taking this to a higher challenge for a lot of us as marketers, I think we all struggle with that. We want to try and personalize, but we also don't want to, you know, take someone out of the equation. And and I went to the website, as I told you earlier, and, and at first I was actually a little bit confused and exactly the way you put it, the hero image was all about you know a consumer product. I think it was shoes, and then somewhere below the fold, it was talking about financial services. So I'm trying to piece them together. Now keep in mind, I'm not your target buyer, so you may have some personalization in place that can pick up intent data. You're not going to get any intent data on me that's going to fit either of your segments. But you know how how do you get your team? you know, on a day-to-day basis to figure out, okay, which of those two different segments are we going to write exclusively for, or which ones are we going to try and, you know, write something that's going to apply to both? You know, how, how personalized are you getting in terms of those two markets? Very. I think fundamentally, look, we have a foundational kind of technology platform story that we tell because it applies to both of them. And that's everything about, um, you know, being a, a modern cloud native architecture, it's about performance, it's about scalability and enterprise readiness, things that large enterprises on either side of the equation would expect. After that, fundamentally, it's, it's really about then tailoring and personalizing the messaging, the journey, the positioning, the kinds of problems that we solve to both of those different spaces. And you're correct. The website is very personalized depending on who you are. Ideally, we want you to very quickly either segment into one of those two things. But there's also content there because we tend to get inbound interest 
outside of our core industries. And then we have a tough decision to make about whether they fit what we do or not necessarily. As I said, we're a platform. We can solve a lot of different problems. But in terms of what we do from an outbound standpoint, it's absolutely, you know, on one side, very focused on kind of product time to market challenges. And on the other side, really focused on how we can help financial services uh, companies to drive a better customer experience, leverage information for better decision making, and really bring tools like AI to bear to uh, further automate how they engage with information and their customers. So I want to pull back uh, and kind of combine the first part of our conversation before we took a break and and as well where you're describing these these challenges. Who on your team is responsible for figuring out who are the segments? Is this the product marketers on your team? Is it the content team in terms of what do we write? Who do we write for? How does that, or, or does this ultimately sit with you at the end of the day as CMO? Who's got the fun choice of deciding how to focus? We're not that small that it's all on my shoulders, um, but I have a clear division in my product marketing team. So we have people that are 100% focused on digital asset management and the corresponding industries that we talked about earlier. And then we have another team that's very focused on financial services and kind of the larger content services, uh, enterprise content management challenge. And when you think about everything we do, whether it's analysts, whether it's press, whether it's programs, campaigns, content creation, all of those kind of divide neatly into those two camps. So we leverage uh, a common resource, you know, when we look at, you know, how we conduct campaigns, events, in terms of what we do from a digital perspective and on the website and all that kind of stuff. So we want domain expertise around campaign techniques, around how we market digitally, about where we place content and things like that, how we place content. But specific to the the, the kind of two different go-to-market motions, then I find the best thing there is to have people who focus 100% of their time on one market or the other market. And then- That's interesting. Also, Can I ask, how big is the marketing team today overall? We're we're not huge either. We've got nine people on the marketing team, not counting. uh, I do have some resources that are business development representatives that are responsible for qualifying leads once we get them. So that's interesting that that within that you have at least two product marketers, which, you know, often you wouldn't see two product marketers at a, you know, sub 20 team. Uh, right. very often. Um, but I guess with your background and your understanding of the value that that's something that you've just prioritized. And principally, you got to look at product marketing from the standpoint of, as you uh, touched on earlier, right? We need to set our overall programmatic strategy. We need to identify personas, segment the market. There is a lot of, of valuable strategic work that we depend on these people for. And then two, Ultimately, there are SMEs. They participate in sales cycles. They're customer-facing. So there's a lot of, of kind of critical functions that that role covers off. Really interesting. In general, Chris, this has been a great chat. I think, I think we've really highlighted the, the importance of, of product marketing along the way. We're going to keep you around, though. As much as we've talked about your career, your buyer journey, we'd like to know about how you keep time for yourself. We'll do that right after a short break. All right, Chris, we've unpacked your career, the buyer journey, which in your case is 
definitely linked to your career path focused on product marketing. But I want to understand amid all these, these busy moves, you know, joining companies at the right time, leaving them at the right time, how do you make time for yourself? How do you make time for family and friends? Uh, how do you get a break from work? You know, it's one of those things that I've, I've figured out over the course of my career because early on it was all about 18-hour days. And I'm much better now at, at, at kind of carving time out, but also just better at making time. One of the best benefits of working at Nuxio is all of our product development is done in Paris. Our CEO is in Paris. So it gives me a great excuse to regularly travel over there. Unfortunately, now my kids are getting a little bit older. So uh, we are, and my wife is able to come along with me. One of my daughters has inherited my global travel bug. So she actually lives in Ireland. That's great. Uh, so what we're able to do is really get the whole family together and travel over to Europe. I can take care of a little business, um, but also can spend a lot of time with my family over there as well, too. That's amazing. That's that's really well played. I, I've spoken to other leaders who who leverage the realities of their work schedule and, and for many C levels, travel's a big part of it to, you know, to tag on at the end of that, especially when your kids reach that age where they can they can take uh, take a little bit of that. What's what's something what's a great trip that's coming up that you've maybe got planned either over in Europe or when you've done? Actually, I have an annual uh, fishing activity, and it's, it's one of those times when I actually get off the grid a little bit and go up with a group of guys to Alaska. And I've been very fortunate for the last couple of years, and this year as well, my son is going to come along with me. So it's great, great for me to be able to spend a little one-on-one -on -one time with my son and with a group of great guys. That's great. That's great. Well, seems like you've got a great recipe in place, Chris. Uh, we'll all be following your career as it continues to unfold here. Thank you so much for taking the time to share about your career, you know, the buyer journey you're mapping and a little bit about yourself. Again, if people want to learn more about you, where's, where's a great place to go and follow along? About me or about Nuxia? Yeah, either or. I'll, I'll let you plug both. LinkedIn is always a great spot. You can find me there under Chris McLaughlin and Nuxio. And, and please, uh, if you're in the financial services industry or in, in, interested in what we do from a dam's perspective, it's www.nuxio.com. Amazing. Chris, thanks so much. This has been The Marketer's Journey. If you've enjoyed hearing from Chris, you'll enjoy hearing from many of our other marketing leaders who have been on this season of The Marketer's Journey. Tune in on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, and especially when you can, leave us a review. Until next time, this is Randy Frisch. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.